Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Today, we are joined by Dr. Shahzad Mustafa, a board-certified allergist in the Division of Allergy and Immunology at Rochester Regional Health System and Clinical Associate Professor of Medicine and Clerkship Director in Allergy and Clinical Immunology at the University of Rochester School of Medicine and Dentistry in Rochester, New York. Dr. Mustafa also serves as FACS Medical Advisory Board Chair. Thank you for joining us for another edition of FACS Roundtable Podcast. Today, we're going to explore the latest in food allergy research and treatments. Thank you, Dr. Mustafa, for joining us again. Can you tell listeners what is the biggest news taking place right now in the world of food allergy research and treatment? Yeah, I think right now, thank you for having me. I think the big thing is we, for the first time, have uh, an FDA-approved therapy for food allergy. The paradigm for management forever has been avoidance of your food allergen and carrying epinephrine to treat, to treat accidental ingestions. As of last month, there is now an FDA-approved product for peanut oral immunotherapy by the brand name of Palforzia, which is very, very exciting. And it's our first FDA-approved therapy for food allergy. It's applied for peanuts for now for individuals age 4 to 17. And it is an oral immunotherapy, the capsule with powder, peanut powder, you dispense the powder, it's daily dosing at home with updosing. The first doses are done in an allergist office and the increased dosing every two weeks is also done in an allergist office. And this was a big study in the New England Journal of Medicine, which is a premier journal, medical journal, that showed that treatment with palforzia increases the amount of peanut that a peanut allergic individual has to be exposed to, to have an allergic reaction. So it doesn't cure peanut allergy. It doesn't get rid of your peanut allergy. It doesn't allow you to have peanut butter and jelly and Snickers bars. But what it does for individuals with peanut allergy is it increases the amount that they have to be exposed to to have a reaction. So it protects them from a reaction in the setting of an accidental ingestion, which is great. So that's good. But nothing in life comes for free, right? So there are side effects and there are significant considerations for palforzia or peanut oral immunotherapy. Having reactions to the therapy itself is very common, albeit most of these reactions are thought to be mild. They happen. So individuals who are administering this or taking this have to be aware of that. Abdominal discomfort and GI side effects are relatively common. Lots of considerations, lots of logistical considerations. But at the end of the day, as a allergy community. We are excited to have this FDA-approved therapy. Um, We're excited to offer something to our families and our patients uh, while understanding it is not for everybody. Everyone may not want to do this, and that is okay. Some individuals may prefer to continue with um, avoidance and carrying epinephrine. If that works for them, that's fantastic. But we finally have at least an option as of today. Can continue to talk about some additional research Similarly, there is research going on in epicutaneous immunotherapy. Again, most focused on peanut right now. 
This is a transdermal patch on uh, the size of a quarter that transduces peanut protein across the skin. Same concepts, controlled exposure to the food decreases the likelihood of a reaction in the setting of an accidental ingestion. The patch is being studied. It's going through the process for FDA approval. We think it is potentially as early as you know six to nine months away from becoming commercially available. It has the same general concept as the oral immunotherapy. It has less side effects. It's a less, much lower dose of peanut exposure, but the protection um, and the effectiveness may not be quite as robust as the oral uh, product that is already FDA approved. But again, it may add a option in the arsenal that for our families with food allergy, particularly right now, peanut allergy. Then there's another form of immunotherapy called sublingual drops under the tongue that is not as far along in the commercial space, but there's good research. And this is kind of in between um, the oral and the uh, epicutaneous options, but not quite as far along. But you should be aware that people are working on that form too. All of these are most advanced for peanut. Other foods are being looked at, milk, um, egg, but not quite right around the corner, a little bit further away. But those are kind of the most um, promising advances in therapeutics and food allergy right now. Okay, thank you. If a patient is interested in learning more about palforzia, how do they go about that? And are all doctors trained on it? Is it available to every practice? Yeah, so um, palforzia is really, I think it's, I give tremendous credit to the company and the FDA, although the FDA approved palforzia, they're requiring any allergist, it will be prescribed through allergists that prescribes it be registered on this REMS website because they wanna monitor additional safety going forward. Families and individuals who are gonna pursue this also have to be registered on this website. So this is a database to continue to learn about this treatment. Again, very promising but not benign. There are a lot of considerations and we wanna see how it does when it's actually out in the community, not just in a very controlled clinical trial. So if families are interested, again, it's gonna be peanut allergic individuals between age four to 17, um, I encourage you to at, discuss this with your allergist. All allergists may not be prescribing it. Uh, I think many will, um, but I think that depends on where you live, the region of the country, the city you're in. Uh, but it is going to be FDA approved. Even now, there are many allergists in the U.S. prescribing oral immunotherapy, kind of their, you know, off-label, their own protocol. This, what Palforzia allows us, it gives us a little more uniformity and control over the situation, which I think is always a good thing. Uh, but all allergists probably will not be prescribing it. Many will. And I think you have to reach out to your local allergist and beyond there are going to be resources certainly available to find allergists if folks are having trouble with that. Thank you. So, Dr. Mustafa, are there any other ways to address food allergy outside of immunotherapy? Yeah, so immunotherapy is tools that an allergist has used for, you know, decades to make people less sensitive to their allergen, whether it's environmental allergens and now food, which is very exciting. And there's different forms of immunotherapy. There's also studies being done for uh, biologics or monoclonal antibodies, injection medications, and their role in um, management of food allergies. These medications are already FDA approved for other conditions, asthma, hives and urticaria, 
eczema, atopic dermatitis. And some of these medications, particularly I'll name two, one is called omalizumab or Zolaire. And some of our food allergic families are probably aware of that because it's a medication for asthma and hives. Another is called Dupilumab or Dupixent. Again, some of our families are probably aware of that. This is FDA approved for eczema, atopic dermatitis, asthma, and also nasal polyps, sinus disease. These two medications are also being studied in the setting of food allergy. And unlike the current immunotherapy options, which are directed at peanut, these medications may be broader and may affect potentially all food allergens, not just peanut or cow's milk or egg or certain food, but broadly. And they would potentially do the same thing as immunotherapy. Potentially, they would not cure food allergy. They would not get rid of food allergy but they might increase the amount of food you need to be exposed to to have a reaction. So again, they may give you a buffer zone. They may give you protection from a clinical reaction in the setting of accidental ingestion. So these are very exciting um, possibilities that are being studied right now, not ready for prime time. But these are medications that allergists are very familiar using for other indications and mace, you know, and are currently being studied as a potential to help manage our patients with food allergies, not just peanut allergies. Um, so exciting times in this space. We have a lot to learn, and it's going to, I think, look very different over the coming years. So it seems like a lot of these treatments are geared at children. Are there any studies or any treatments geared at adults? It's a great question. So food allergies are certainly more common in children than in adults, although adults certainly have food allergies. Um, and often underreported. Um, there's a big paper by Ruchi Gupta uh, from Chicago that said a significant amount of patients with food allergies are adults. Um, many of these therapies are geared to children. Immunotherapy particularly tends to work better in younger individuals and older individuals. Um, the peanut oral immunotherapy that's now FDA approved, Palforzia, is going to be approved for 4 to 17 because that's where the results were most effective. They did study adults 18 to 55, and effectiveness there was not there to justify approval. So it was looked at. These other therapies, um, omalizumab, zolaire, dupilumab, dupixin, um, I'm not familiar with the data right now about what ages they're looking at and where they may be. They're much earlier in development in this space, uh, but hopefully we will have potential options for adults with food allergies as well. But you are right. Much of the work is being done in the pediatric space because kids may have more opportunities to intervene. And food allergy is more common in children than in adults. Is there anything else that you feel that we need to learn about coming up on the horizon here? I think treatment is, of course, exciting. And um, we all want more therapeutic options. But the money remains with prevention, right? And we really want to try to prevent food allergies. So I think there's more and more data on early introduction of highly allergenic foods. Peanut has really taken the spotlight with a huge study in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2015. There's more information, I think, about eggs coming out and the benefits of early introduction. Really, what I behoove families right now, especially families with kids with food allergy who have concern with food allergy, we really believe early introduction of foods is our best bet to try to prevent food allergens. So we want to get all types of foods into a baby's diet when they're uh, socially uh, appropriately developed and mature enough to tolerate solid, solid foods. So prevention, prevention, prevention remains so important. Um, and I think that really is where we want to focus many of our efforts because we don't want folks developing food allergies where we have to pursue additional treatments. And can you 
you speak a little bit more to the early introduction? Are people following these recommendations? Are we doing a good job in getting that word out? Yeah, so I mean, these recommendations have changed over my career, which has not been that long, 10 or 15 years. These recommendations have changed. We've gone from saying we should delay the introduction of highly allergenic foods to quite the opposite, that early introduction decreases. So as recommendations change, they are sometimes slow to be taken up by providers. I think allergists are doing a good job of this, but so much of this comes from pediatricians as well. And I think it depends on the community. It's not perfect, but many pediatricians, and I would like to say most, are encouraging that early introduction of foods. And for the vast majority of individuals, this can be done without any testing or concerns at all. Just when your baby starts eating four to six months, whatever it is, go for it. Feed them foods, including highly allergenic foods, in a um, you know, developmentally appropriate way. Um, so I think we could be doing a better job. I still see folks out there who are trying to delay these. Um, uh, change happens slow in medicine. I certainly appreciate that. But, you know, it's really our job to help our families and our communities and primary care providers with this counseling. The science is there now. It really is that supports early introduction. And thank you so much for that. And uh, lastly, are we seeing an increase in adults developing allergies now? So we are potentially seeing an increase in adults in developing food allergy. The vast majority of food allergies are still developed in childhood, most by a year of age, and many are outgrown. Adult food allergies are even more limited in scope than uh, children with food allergies. The most common adult food allergies are seafood, peanuts, and tree nuts. But we are seeing that. Um, we're seeing potential food allergens like milk and eggs last into adulthood more often than we thought we used to. So certainly adults can have food allergies but it remains less common than um, children. I think it's important to take this opportunity to discuss food pollen syndrome or oral allergy syndrome. Many adults will report, many teenagers will report that certain fresh fruits and vegetables will cause itching in the mouth, but kind of self-resolve, not much more, not much rash. If they eat the food in a different form, they might not have the symptoms. Um, you know, raw apple might cause itching in the mouth, but apple pie is okay. This is something called food pollen syndrome or oral allergy syndrome, which really has a different risk profile than a true food allergy and can be managed very differently. And this is where I think it's important to get the wording right, to get the labels right. And it has different risks. It's very common. It has much less risk of a systemic reaction. These individuals can often tolerate the foods in certain ways. They often don't need to carry up enough for auto injectors. So for adults and older individuals who think they might be allergic to uh, fruits, vegetables, things like this due to oral itching. Again, I encourage them to be evaluated by a doctor who, who's well-versed in food allergen because I think it's a very different approach than certain foods. So I think that comes up a lot in the adult setting. And uh, with oral allergy syndrome, can someone go into anaphylaxis? So theoretically, people with a food pollen syndrome or oral allergy syndrome can experience a systemic reaction, albeit the risk is exceedingly low. Um, so I do think it's a very different discussion when you're talking to someone with that rather than a true IgE-mediated food allergy for an adult, you know, shrimp allergy or peanut allergy. I think it's very different. And I do think, again, you have to individualize the care. But again, as a carte blanche generalized statement, I think the risk of anaphylaxis or severe reaction with that is exceedingly low, albeit not zero, but much more reassurance than, you know, other food allergens. Thank you very much for your time today, Dr. Mustafa. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for listening to Facts Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes and be sure to connect with us on social media. 
Have a great day and always be kind to one another.